Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is Lydia Kang, author of the new novel, The Half-Life of Ruby Fielding. Best-selling author Kim Taylor Blackmore wrote about the novel, Lydia Kang Does It Again, a marvelous, complex, and thrilling read. Lydia, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. It's good to be here. Sure. Well, if someone listening hasn't yet heard about your new novel, The Half-Life of Ruby Fielding, how would you describe the novel? It is a mystery suspense novel set in World War II, but unlike a lot of World War II novels, it is stateside and takes place in New York City. So it makes it a little bit different for those of um, you who are World War II novel lovers. And I, I put in a lot of things in here that you might not think would fit, such as the development of the atom bomb and the Manhattan Project, working in the um, Brooklyn Navy Yard as a woman, and poisons. So there's a bunch of different stuff in there, a little bit for everybody. <laughs> That's great. Do you remember the original idea or impetus that led you to write The Half-Life of Ruby Fielding? Well, I had always wanted to write something that was set in World War II, but nothing really jumped out at me as an idea. I didn't want to write it for the sake of writing it. I really wanted to fall in love with a, a concept or an idea. So it actually came down to um, a memory of mine, which is that I went to Columbia University in New York City as an undergraduate, and I took physics classes there because I was pre-med at the time. And I remember learning that uh, Pupin Hall, which is where physics is, uh, the, most of the physics classes are held, was also the site of one of the um, parts of the projects that uh, was involved in the Manhattan Project. Um, there was a cyclotron, which is a particle accelerator that was in the building, apparently, for quite some time. And I thought that was really interesting. But I didn't think too much about it until I, it came to um, writing my next book. And I had remembered that the Columbia football team, which were these like big husky fellows, you know, were tasked to um, pack the graphite into these containers to make the nuclear pile in the building. And I thought, that is so fascinating, like <laughs> to get the football team involved <laughs> in atomic bomb making. And I immediately came up with that idea of Will Scripps, this character who was a football player who was at Columbia at the time, who got this glimpse of this world unfolding. And as you can imagine, he's a football player. So people look at him and they think, you know, dumb jock, but he's actually really intelligent. And, um, and I thought, I'm going to make a story surrounding this guy. And so that's where the original impetus for the story came from. That's great. Well, in addition to writing novels, you've also written nonfiction, including co-writing Patient Zero, A Curious History of the World's Worst Diseases. As a working physician yourself and, and someone who has studied pandemics, have you been surprised by the last two years? Yes and no. So <laughs> <laughs> in some ways, so we, uh, Nate and I were writing Patient Zero during the pandemic. So it was this very surreal time for us because we were learning about pandemics firsthand by doing all of our research, but then experiencing it at the same time. And because the, the topic of the book, Patient Zero, it's about um, disease origins, obviously we were just constantly looking at the news just like everyone else. 
about where COVID came from. And I ended up writing a whole chapter on the unfolding of how COVID sort of came to be. But it was very strange to write about it and be in it at the same time. We did not write the book because of the pandemic. We had Mm -hmm. the idea before COVID existed and well, probably around the same time, maybe, but like before we knew COVID was actually (laughs) going to be around. So yeah, in some ways I was really, I wasn't surprised because everything I learned, everything we learned in the book was that pandemics are inevitable and we are living through multiple other pandemics that we tend not to think about, like tuberculosis, stuff like that. But um, yeah, it was just very, very strange. And then of course, this was also the tail end of me writing The Half-Life of Ruby Fielding as well. So there's just a lot going on (laughs) at the same time. Well, what was your initial writing journey that led you to writing and getting your first novel published? So that began a little over 10 years ago um, when I was a physician actually at Columbia University. I'm sorry, not Columbia, at um, Bellevue Hospital. Mm -hmm. So with NYU, um, which is my medical school alma mater. I was working there as a young physician and um, was starting to write essays about um, being a doctor. And one of them got published and I thought, this is really cool. And I I had always wanted to write, but I was never very good at writing. I was very good at science. So I thought that's really just not meant to be for me. But I I kept kind of trying and pushing that envelope here and there. So when I moved to Omaha, Nebraska, which is where I live now, I had a third child and I heard about this writing group that was putting together doctors and poets and, and writers from the area. And I just jumped on it. I said, this is what I want to do. Um, I'm just going to give it a try. And I didn't start out writing fiction. I was writing more essays. I was writing poetry. And then around 2009, I said, you know what? I, I love reading all the YA that's out there. There was this huge wave of young adult fiction um, that was just hugely popular. The books were just so entertaining. And I thought, I just want to give this a try. And so I did. I wrote a novel. And I said, I was really, na- I was very naive at the time. I was like, I'm going to write this novel and I'm going to give myself one summer to get a literary agent and sell the book. And if it doesn't work, <laughs> I'll just move on. Not knowing that it's a long game process. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very long game. So um, that summer, I wrote the book in a month, which was just, I was very sleep deprived at the time. And um, that summer I went on submission. I, I did go on submission. I was trying to find agents, but I got a lot of Instead of rejection after rejection, I would get rejections, but also like requests for my writing and compliments on my writing. They'd be like, hey, this is like, you know, this is pretty good, but it's too similar to what we have, or I don't think this is going to sell well. So I got just enough positive feedback to keep me going. So then I was like, I came up with another idea and I went with that for the next year, trying to get an agent, didn't quite work out. And then it was my third book, which ended up being um, the book Control, which has mutants and a lot of genetics and biology in it. And that was the book that I ended up finding a literary agent and selling. And so it, it was a very fast process because I'm a pretty quick writer and I'm a quick learner too, because I was very aware of the fact that I didn't really know what I was doing. So I was eating up as much information on the internet and from these um, workshops about how to be a better writer. And I just tried really hard to improve my craft and it, luckily for me, it worked out. Well, well, you mentioned that, if I'm not mistaken, you just said that that was your third novel that ended up getting published that you had written? That's correct. But what what kept you going? I mean, you, you mentioned that you had this initial goal that oh, I'm going to try to get this done in a, in a summer. What kind of kept you going after those first two? 
So it, it's a really interesting sensation that you sort of get in the center of your body. That's like you get this idea of an of an of a book, and you get really excited about it. And in your brain, it's perfect. One of the things that I have really enjoyed about writing is this just unusual feeling you get when you get an idea, and it it makes you feel like just incredibly excited about trying to get that perfect story in front of readers and getting them really excited about the concept. And usually um, it's followed up with a lot of brainstorming and talking to friends about whether or not this, you know, idea works, followed by depths of despair when you actually try to execute it and have a lot of trouble. But yes, there is that particular flash of extreme excitement that comes with any new idea and I just, I just love, um, I love those moments. And every time I get a new idea, it's, it's just like that. Never, never fails to be incredibly exciting. Well, you, as, as we've mentioned, you work full-time as a physician, and then you have this career also as a writer, both novels and nonfiction. How, how do you manage your time? So, um, <laughs> correction, first of all, I write part-time. Okay. I mean, I work okay. part-time as a physician. Oh, you work so that's, part-time. That's, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that being said, I know a lot of people who have full-time jobs and write as well. And I don't know. Some people will are um, unbelievably productive. I don't think I could be as productive as they are. But I, again, um, I do uh, work part-time. And so a good chunk of my week is just spent towards writing. And that mm-hmm. is what makes it more doable for me. Uh, so that that's sort of how they balance each other out. But they are incredibly synergistic in that um, the energy from one kind of fuels the other. So when I get um, kind of uh, bummed out from the highs and lows of publishing, you know, I go to work and I help somebody with a major medical problem. And it's, you know, sometimes I'm diagnosing these really obscure diseases that they picked up in, you know, a foreign country. It's pretty (laughs) exciting. Um, not for them, <laughs> yeah. more exciting for me, uh, but things like that will happen. And, and, or you're helping somebody with their diabetes and getting their blood pressure under control and, um, helping them take charge of their life and, and feel better. And it's, it's such a grounding, wonderful experience that is a, a, a counterpoint to, um, the publishing world. Now, when taking care of patients can be really difficult sometimes, there's a lot of paperwork, there's some headaches involved with, you know, trying to get people the best care they, that they need. And you go to your writing world and you're like, okay, I can create this world. I can create this character. I can kill this character off. You know, you can do, (laughs) you are a God in your universe, you know, in that. And so that, that it's a very heady feeling to have that kind of power. Um, But yeah, it can get to your head. So they, they do complement each other well. That's great. What was your writing process when you were working on the half-life of Ruby Fielding? Did did you outline the novel extensively before you dove into the narrative or how does that work for you? So with all of my novels, I am a plotter. I really do write the plot out um, as best as I can. I cannot begin a book until I know how it's going to end. And I, I do try to use these really standard story structures that a lot of people talk about, like the three act structure where you have this escalation of, of stakes and um, you know these huge um, turning points. Um, along the way. And, you know, every chapter, I remember for my very first editor, um, you know, I learned that every chapter, there has to be a, a revelation of some sort, 
about a character, about something that's going on. And so it really pushes the, the narrative along the way. But yeah, so I, I plot extensively, not down to what happens in every scene, but I will plot to, okay, in this chapter, this thing has to happen. And then when I open up my Scribner to try to like write that chapter, I'm not exactly sure how that event is going to happen. So I sort of do have to figure it out along the way. But mm-hmm. for the most part, the big, the big things I have figured out. And oftentimes I get about halfway through and I realize I've screwed the whole thing up and I've written myself into a corner and I have to kind of redo some things. But, and that happens sometimes. But um, uh, yeah, so, and I usually have some kind of character sheets or outlines where I talk about, you know, what does my character look like? What kind of person are they? How do they, um, you know, what are their quirks and personality? Why do they become the person that they are? How is that going to drive how they act as the book goes on? So I sort of have that, those things in my mind, because as you're writing this, you have to really get into the shoes of that character and know how they're going to act to things. Otherwise, things won't make sense. So, um, yeah, a lot of, a lot of pre-work happens. And then, of course, in addition to that, there's all the, the research, of course. Right. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Have you started working on a new novel now? I am working on um, a couple of projects. So I am actually contracted to do something with in the Star Wars universe. So I'm working with um, uh, Lucasfilm Limited, and it's in the High Republic um, era of the book. So that's sort of my next big project right now. But I do have ideas for my next historical fiction um, that I'm tinkering with as well. And can you tell us a little bit about kind of the process of working with Lucasfilm? How did that come about? I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. So um, my first YA novel, Control, had a sequel, Catalyst, and they were set in the future, about 150 years in the future, and a lot of science fiction. I also wrote another science fiction novel called Toxic, which was also young adult, um, takes place on a sentient spaceship which I had so much fun writing. I really enjoyed that. And um, somewhere along the way, I don't know how and I don't know why, somebody contacted me and said, hey, we are doing a, like a big anniversary book um, in celebration of The Empire Strikes Back. And uh, we would, it's a 40-year anniversary, I think. And, um, mm-hmm. and they're like, we would love for you to write a short story in this anthology from the perspective of somebody in the movie um, anyone you want and, um, would you like to do it? And I said, no, <laughs> you know, the first thing I said was, heck no, I'm not going to write for the Star Wars universe. Like I'm not good enough for that. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm not, <laughs> not going to be able to do a good job. And my husband, we're both big Star Wars fans. Like we're 
very big Star Wars, as are our kids as well. <laughs> and so he was like, are you bananas? You have to say yes, just do it. And so I said yes. And I was like shaking in my boots. And I decided to write from the perspective of 21B, who is the medical surgical droid that put Luke Skywalker's artificial hand on at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. And I thought, because I thought if I'm going to write something in this universe, I'm going to write from a perspective I'm very comfortable with. And that's as a physician. So I did that. I had a blast writing that short story. Um, I actually got to write like, you know, like new words coming from Luke Skywalker's mouth. It was just amazing. And, um, and then after that happened, um, about a year later or so, I got another email and they said, hey, would you like to work in the High Republic, which is this new phase of storytelling that precedes all the original movies by like 150, you know, 300 years. And once again, I was just like, no, <laughs> I mean, I didn't say it to them. I was like saying it out loud as I like opened up the email and I'm like, no, I'm not doing this. This is ridiculous. And once again, my husband like sort of talks me down and he's just like, this is an opportunity of a lifetime and you can do this. And you said you couldn't do the last one and, and you did it. So I said, yes, and I'm working with them now. So that's, I don't know. I, I kind of want to ask, but I kind of don't, I do not know why, why me? I, I'm not mm-hmm. really sure. Um, in the grand scheme of things of all my writing, there's my adult historical fiction, my medical nonfiction. I am most well known for my medical nonfiction, like for quackery, as well as for my historical fiction. I'm not as well known for my young adult and my sci-fi. So I don't know exactly how that happened, but I think I'm not going <laughs> to admit, I'm just not going to question it right now. Just <laughs> sure, let it be. Sure. <laughs> so, so can you tell us, I mean, obviously I understand, you know, if you can't go into too much detail, but can you tell us like, um, have you gotten into the process? Do you have, to, I'm assuming that you have to write an outline that they then approve before you start working on, on a novel. So I am not, um, I'm not allowed to talk about it as okay. yet. Yeah, yeah. So, um, all, the only thing I'm allowed to say is that I'm working on the high Republic, the phase sure. two of the high Republic, and that's all I'm allowed to say right now. So <laughs> you'll have to okay. wait and find out the high yeah, Republic yeah. has a, on, on starwars.com. They have a high Republic show. And every month or so, they have a new episode and they sort of reveal more about it. And so one of these reveals, you everybody will be able to find out what I'm actually working on. But until then, oh, I'm actually not allowed to talk it. about it. So, yeah, yeah, not a problem. Well, what <laughs> writing advice would you offer for those who are working on their own stories and novels? Oh, my gosh, there's so much advice. Um, there's a lot of information out there about publishing and about writing about the process um, of creating a novel or a short story or whatever, as well as the process of going through book publishing in the traditional sense, meaning having a literary agent and publishing with a traditional publisher. So your book ends up in a bookstore, that sort of a thing. Um, I would say a couple of things. One is um, read a lot in the area that you are writing in. So I, I encounter a lot of people who think that writing young adult or picture books is really easy. And I have to sort of stop them and be like, it's really not that, it's not as easy as you think. And please don't like uh, take into account that the age of, of, of a reader means that you're dumbing it down for them. Like it is hard to write a really good young adult novel. The, um, the market is very tight. It is extremely competitive. So you got to put really good work out there. So that would be number one is don't poo-poo your audience. Respect them and respect the craft. Second thing would be um, 
that, uh, you know, if you can, you gotta, you gotta be open to the idea that you have a lot to learn if you're kind of new to this. Um, I, I went into this thinking like, I don't know how to write a novel. I'm going to learn everything I can. And so I was really open to feedback. It was extremely hard and painful for people to correct your writing and say, you're going on and on about this for, for pages and it's, it's really boring. <laughs> I just, you got to <laughs> cut to the chase or, you know, learn what in media stress is or um, learn what it is to do like an information dump. And you're doing that right now. Learn how to do better characterization and how to show, not tell. And when it's okay to tell, not show like that, those were some big, big lessons for me. And if you don't know what that means, that means you've got a lot to learn. You have to just look it up and see what I'm talking about. Um, get trusted readers who will not just tell you everything you write is perfect. So don't just get your, your mom or your best friend to, to read mm-hmm. it. Get people who will be critical. It's, it's also, also often good to get people who are writing as well, because they're, they tend to be really um, uh, enmeshed in understanding the craft as well just and learning the craft as well as you are and know when there's good good feedback and bad feedback so um if, if multiple people are telling you something's quite wrong with this part of your book they're pro- they're probably onto something if only one person says they didn't like it it could be a taste thing not necessarily a, a you know a signature flaw so um that's that's part of the process as well and then when it comes to actually deciding if you're going to um, publish, oh gosh, there's so many different things. For a novel, you have to write the whole thing. You can't just say, I have a great idea and work with me on this. You have to write the whole thing and it's got to be picture perfect. It's got to be crisp and clean and copy edited and everything. So it's like really um, in good shape before you go out on submission to tr- try to find yourself a liter- literary agent. And if you're writing nonfiction, that is not the case. You usually do a proposal, which is a partial, um, partially written book, that sort of a thing. But again, you know, you can find all this online. There are a lot of books on how to publish um, on all the basics that can go over many of these things that I'm talking about that are very readily available in the library or, you know, in bookstores as well. So it's different now than it was 30 years ago when everything was a secret. Now everything's out there. It's all online. You can find these answers. You can look up books about them. You can um, listen to podcasts like this one about the writing <laughs> process um, because Authors are so happy to spill the beans about how they got started and what their big lessons were. So yeah, um, subscribe now <laughs> to Jeff's podcast. <laughs> you will learn a lot. Um, but no, that they're really, really helpful. They honestly are because you get the firsthand knowledge from like people have gone through it about what it's really like. Yeah, that's great. Well, what novels have you read recently that you enjoyed? Oh my gosh. Um, let's see. I read, what have I been reading lately? Um, very recently, I, where is it? It was like right over here. So. <laughs> like, hold on. Um, oh, here we go. Wildwood's Whispers by Willa Reese. I actually just blurbed that book um, because it has like a little bit of magic in it and I love magic. Um, I have been, I read um, this book called Night Bitch. Recently, um, part of my language, but that's the title of the book, <laughs> called yeah, Night sure. Bitch, which is a really interesting sort of fan, um, sort of uh, uh, um, magical realism fantasy take on like how difficult motherhood can be. Um, I'm in the middle of reading The Hidden Palace by um, Elaine Wecker. Uh, hopefully, I'm pronouncing her name correctly. Uh, she, this is the sequel to Gollum and Ginny, which I adored, adored. It was so good. Um, 
And uh, on my on, on my to be read list that I would like to be reading soon, I have The Evening Hero by Mary Myung O'Kaley. Myung O'Kaley, sorry, pronouncing her name wrong. Um, so I have that. That's coming out um, in this year. And I, I have the, the advanced reader copy and I'm excited to dig into that one, too. So that's great. That's well, yeah. Where can people find you online if they'd like to learn more about you and your novels and your nonfiction? Sure. Uh, so you can find me on my website, LydiaKang.com. Um, the website is going to get overhauled soon, so it should have a new look in the next couple of weeks. Um, my favorite um, social media is probably Instagram. It's the one that I just am the most comfortable with and the one that I have most fun with. Um, you'll see news about my books there, but a lot of it is about my dogs and about my gardening <laughs> and about baking and eating because I love to eat. Um, and just little quirky things that I find kind of interesting. So it's not just all about books all the time. It's just more, um, sort of the, my eyeball lens, like what I see and what I enjoy. That's great. Well, again, we've been speaking with Lydia Kang, author of the new novel, The Half-Life of Ruby Fielding. The novel is available now, so go buy a copy. And Lydia, thanks for doing this interview. Thank you so much for having me, Jeff. Wonderful. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.